Welcome to the NSCHBC EDGE podcast, leading the way in the business of medicine. Now here's your host, Terry Fletcher. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the NSCHBC EDGE podcast. I'm your host, Terry Fletcher. The EDGE podcast is brought to you today by the National Society of Certified Healthcare Business Consultants. Our goal is to discuss healthy business principles, have conversations on the business side of medicine, so that you and your practice can thrive, be profitable, and successful for years to come. Today we focus on employee termination scenarios, which we all know can be stressful, but are you following the rules and are you legally covered? Tackling those topics with me today is Amanda Weish, who operates a national healthcare practice and is licensed in both Ohio and Florida. She primarily focuses her practice on healthcare, employment law, corporate law, and healthcare litigation, and advises all types of employers, in particular healthcare providers, including hospitals and physicians on various matters. Also, Brian Meek, who is an attorney at BMD's Health Law Department and Labor and Employment Department. Brian counsels a wide variety of health industry clients on issues such as contract disputes, government and private payer appeals and disputes, including audits, administrative appeals and negotiations, compliance plans, credentialing, certification, board investigations and suspensions, and fraud and abuse disputes. For those matters which warrant formal litigation, Brian assists clients with filing or otherwise defending complaints in court or before an arbitrator. Amanda and Brian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Terry. Thanks for having us today. Yes, thank you, Terry. Excited to be here. So our topic for discussion today is actually, I think this is going to be just such a great way to present is instead of just listeners for the, for you that sometimes listen into a podcast and you think maybe we're talking at you and not necessarily with you or to you, what Amanda and Brian are going to do is they're going to do role playing and they're going to give us some employee termination scenarios um, and really looking at what you need to do prior to terminating an employee. You know, for example, should there be a probationary period, a possible suspension, uh, maybe a sanction rather than a termination, and should there be maybe a final warning? But looking at these employment policies as well when making these um, termination or discipline decisions, there really should be some kind of a back and forth. And what does an employer really need to do to be able to get the ball rolling on that? So we're going to go ahead and allow uh, Amanda and Brian just to kind of give us a scenario and a couple of scenarios of how that happens. So go ahead and take it away. Thanks, Terry. You know, this is a question that we're asked so often as legal counsel, um, you know, what type of discipline should I impose on my employee? Um, and, and we, you know, we get these calls typically four o'clock on a Friday afternoon, and um, we seem to be giving, you know, the same advice um, all the time, you know, make sure that you follow your policy. Um, you know, we advise that all employers have an employee handbook, that all employers have what's called a progressive discipline policy. So as you mentioned, you know, that would include a, you know, verbal warning, a written warning, uh, possibly probation, suspension, a final written warning up to termination. And so that's, you know, a progressive discipline policy and the infraction um, or the issue at hand will really be determined determinant of what type of discipline you impose as the employer. So, you know, the first thing that we always advise our em employers is, you know, do you have a policy? You want to make sure you follow that policy. Um, and then also you want to be consistent. So you want to uh, impose the the same type of discipline 
um, for similar infractions in your company. So you want to be consistent as an employer. Uh, the second question that we always get is, well, if I need to terminate someone, how do I do it? Um, what do I say? Um, oftentimes, employers cannot anticipate how an employee is going to react. And so we often find ourselves writing scripts for our employer clients. You know, if this, then that. You know, this is what you say if the employee reacts this way. Um, and so what Brian and I have started to do in our training for our employer clients is do role playing. Um, it's, it's a fun way to train our clients, um, but it also gives them some real life scenarios uh, that, and some key takeaways rather than seeing a written script or, you know, feverishly writing something down quickly at four o'clock on a Friday afternoon uh, before they before they terminate someone. So we want to um, walk through just some common scenarios, and we hope that you find this not only uh, educational, but also fun as well. That sounds great. And Brian, we're going to also hand it over to you for any additional remarks before you guys get started. I think real quick, one of the things that you brought up is how many employers <laughs> like to do this at four o'clock on a Friday. <laughs> so um, hopefully that'll be part of your conversation. Exactly, Absolutely. Terry. Yeah, absolutely, Terry. So the, the time to begin having the discussion and thinking about whether to terminate an employee should start well before, you know, Friday at four o'clock, as Amanda said. Um, a, you know, you know, selfishly, it makes our lives a little easier, number one. Number two, it also allows, you know, us and our clients to kind of think through all the issues and, uh, you know, to allow them to see all sides of the scenario, help prepare them for the termination scenario if that's the, the route they want to go, um, you know, or, or otherwise talk about some other legal pitfalls they may they may be walking into when evaluating, you know, just discipline versus term, uh, termination. So just kind of segue into our first uh, termination scenario here that Amanda and I are going to act out and kind of set the scene for the crowd. Um, I will be serving as uh, Amanda's supervisor today, and I'll be the one conducting the termination. This first scenario that we're going to cover um, is just going to kind of be your standard termination situation. You know, this is... This, is, this kind of sets the bar of how we, we like terminations to go. It's just kind of easy. Um, it's going to be an easy conversation. It's just kind of everyone at the end, you know, is okay with the decision uh, type of termination scenario. So with that being said, I think we're just going to go ahead and, and jump right on in here. Uh, thank you for coming in today, Amanda. Uh, please have a seat. Uh, the reason I, Tracy and I scheduled this meeting is because Brennan, Mana, and Diamond is terminating your employment effective today. Wait, what? Why, Brian? I just don't understand. Did I do something wrong? Amanda, I understand that this is hard news to hear. Um, I will say that, as you know, you have been on a performance improvement plan for the last three months as a result of inadequate work product that simply did not rise to our expectations for you. At the conclusion of this three-month period, uh, we did re-review your performance over the last couple months in sufficient detail, and we decided decided that it is now time that we end this employment relationship. Well, I understand. I I thought that this was coming. Well, wait wait a minute. Are you able to give me at least one more chance? I I know. I promise. I can improve. 
Unfortunately, we do need to terminate the relationship at this time. Uh, we did give you the three months to improve after our prior discussion, and we reminded you periodically during the last three months that there, that there was continued performance issues. However, in recognition for your length of employment with us, uh, BMD is willing to offer you a severance package. I'm going to hand it to you now. Um, this also contains the information on future employer references and how those will be handled, um, and it should answer some other additional questions you may have. Thank you. I'm just, I'm just so surprised. I'm just so taken aback. Uh, I appreciate your kindness. Before I sign this, can I review this with my husband first? Absolutely. I recommend that you take it home and review it. Uh, if you are accepting of the terms that are in the document, uh, please sign and return it to me simply within 21 days. Uh, you may email me your signature. Uh, however, I do ask that before you leave here today, are you willing to sign the acknowledgement of receipt that's at the bottom of the severance agreement? The signature does not mean that you're agreeing to the terms of what's inside the agreement. It only means that you have received this package. Yes. Uh I, I, can, I can do that for you. Thank you, Amanda. And I'm, I'm really sorry that this relationship could not work out. And we wish you success in all of your future endeavors. At this time, I am going to conclude this meeting. And I ask that you return to your desk with Tracy uh, so you can collect your personal belongings and return your key card. Thank you, Brian. I really enjoyed working here. I'll email you my signature after I review the documents with my husband. Thank you. So th thanks, Amanda. That that was great. And and uh, we have a couple notes, Terry, to kind of wrap up the scenario and and you know just some of the key takeaways um, that come from this this first scenario. Sure. Um, and one of the things that I thought was interesting in what she said, you you are going to have to deal sometimes with an upset employee, and being even keeled as an employer is really going to be a key to. F finishing, I hate to say finishing the job, but really just, you know, keeping in line with what you, their, your task is, if that is your role. So can you, can you talk about that? Sure. So what you couldn't see, Terry, is that I was uh, crying um, and that, you know, tears streaming down my face. Maybe I needed tissues. Um, and that can be really unnerving for the employer, um, especially if they're uncomfortable in this scenario and they don't do it very often. I know that as attorneys, sometimes we get very hardened to these situations because we deal with them. Doesn't mean that we are not emotional or that we're not sympathetic or empathetic to the situation. It's just that we deal with them more often. Um, and so we can, we can kind of compartmentalize. So it's really important for the employer to prepare for that and to be prepared with their talking points so that they're not emotionally, um, you know, kind of you know, dragged in a different, in a different direction. Um, you know, but so it is important that the employer uh, gets all of their talking points out, um, but is primarily unsympathetic. You wanna be laser focused on point and direct with your messaging and also consistent with your messaging. And this will help you move through the conversation and prevent any kind of debate regarding the termination. So remember, you know, Brian kept circling back to, now remember you were on a performance improvement plan. Remember we reviewed this with you. Um, and so he, you know, he did not debate, you know, when I asked for one more chance or that I could do better. 
um, he, he stuck to the point. And I did like that. I thought that was, that was really noticeable in your exchange. I think that one of the things that's really hard, especially in healthcare and with everything that's going on, especially now with the pandemic is really sticking to business and not making it personal, making it more about a business decision. Right. Absolutely. Um, Brian, when you terminated me, you had Tracy in the room. Do you want to explain why Tracy was in the room and why she helped me gather my belongings? Yes, absolutely. Uh, so one of the pieces of advice that we always give to our clients is that you have at least two people in the room when conducting the termination. It just it helps to establish a witness in the unfortunate event of a lawsuit or issue down the road. Um, and, and taking that a step further, we also recommend that you have one person of uh, the same the same gender as the person being terminated. Again, that just helps to alleviate any questions or concerns that could arise down the road in the event of you know a lawsuit or potential issue. Um, also, uh, you know, I I asked Tracy to to follow Amanda back to her desk to help her collect her belongings. And again, the key for that is just to keep that same gendered individual, um, you know, kind of with her and escorting her through the building and you know ensuring that she gets out of the building safely. Um, you know, isn't causing a disruption or things like that. So just having two people present is just a really a best practice for all terminations. I have a question with regard to now that technology is so high, what about um, any kind of employee that would want to record the meeting or if the employer would want to record the meeting? First of all, as attorneys, do you recommend that an employer does that? And do you allow that for the employee? That's a, that's a great question, Terry, and we're actually going to get into that in our second scenario a little bit. Um, so just kind of a, a, that's a foreshadowing, but perfect. Yeah. So, but just kind of in, in response to your question, we typically do not advise that our employers record um, the meetings with employees. It, a, it can kind of set the stage of making things a little bit divisive. And, you know, there's a lot of states out there that, that require multiple parties to consent to recording. So they, they shouldn't really undertake a secret recording scenario either. Now, as we'll get into in that second scenario, if an employee requests to, you know, to record the conversation, um, you know, you don't necessarily object to that. Go ahead and go along with it. But then just advise the, or we advise our clients that, hey, you just got to remember that you are being recorded and, you know, you need to keep every, everything you say surface level direct and to the point, which is kind of one of our main um, principles of today is when conducting terminations, keep things straightforward, direct and to the point. That sounds great. Well, so let, that's a great lead in for your next scenario. So let's see how you're doing with the, uh, the next one. I'm ready for that one. Kind of setting the stage for, uh, for this, next, this next termination. This is going to be a bit more on the aggressive side, um, just to kind of illustrate, you know, how we hope most terminations don't go. But, you know, in the event that you do have an aggressive termination, here's how you would you would you would resolve that situation. So I'm just going to start the scene now. Thank you for coming in today, Amanda. Please have a seat. The reason John and I scheduled this meeting is because Brennan, Mana and Diamond is terminating your employment effective today. What? Uh, yeah, that's not happening. You know this company can't make it without me. And it will completely fall apart without my skill and knowledge. You have zero legitimate reasons to terminate me. And I'm not leaving. I know this is hard news to hear. As you know, we have warned you multiple times about arriving late to work. And just today, 
without any prior phone call or warning to us, you showed up four hours late. So why were you late today? That is absolutely none of your business. You are terminating me solely because I'm a woman, aren't you? Uh, I'm going to sue this company for everything it's worth. And without me, it's not worth very much. And I'm going to write the meanest Yelp reviews you have ever seen. Again, I certainly understand your frustration with this decision. However, we cannot evaluate whether to excuse your absence today unless you tell us why you were, you were late. And in accordance with our progressive discipline policy, this absent, absence today would equal a termination. I'm not telling you anything. I don't have to. Like I said, you are only terminating me because I'm a woman. You know for a fact that Jack is late like multiple days per week and he is never fired. You are getting sued. We are not here to have a debate, and I do not agree with your recitation of the circumstances of other employees. Your termination has been reviewed on its merits, and the decision has been made. At this time, given your legal threats and completely unruly behavior, I'm going to conclude this meeting. I ask that you immediately return to your desk with Tracy to collect your personal belongings, return your key card, and exit the building. Are you willing to do that? Absolutely not. I am not leaving this room until you tell me why you are discriminating against me for being a woman. In fact, I'm going to start recording this conversation so that I can give it to my lawyer. Amanda, you have been very unruly and disruptive during this entire conversation and have made wrong statements of fact and accused other employees of misconduct that is simply not true. Therefore, as I've indicated, I am concluding this meeting. You are now trespassing and need to leave the office building immediately. I'm not going anywhere, Brian, and you can't make me leave. If you're going to continue to refuse to leave, I'm going to have to call the police. Go ahead, call them. I'm sure they would love to hear all about your discrimination. I am sorry, but you have left me no choice. Tracy, please use my phone to call the police and let them know there is an unruly ex-employee on the premise who is refusing to leave the building. She is now trespassing. Fine, fine. Have it your way. I'm leaving. Forget you. I hate this place anyway, but you better watch out for that Yelp review and my lawsuit because it's coming your way. Thanks okay. again for your, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying not to laugh here, but this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm laughing with our listeners, just so you know. <laughs> I think that's great. Amanda, you play this role a little too well. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but <laughs> So in follow up to that, I, I think it's a, a great reason to really, I mean, this to me was like a deja vu of what I've been told by a lot of uh, office managers that this actually happens. And it does get hostile. And, you know, please expand on that, Brian, as far as would you actually call the police? And what do you do at this point? Do you actually think that employee would take legal action? And do you act like they will? Th those are both great follow up questions. Uh, first, you know, would I actually call the police if after I've asked them to leave and, and they still were not leaving, and I've indicated, hey, you're now trespassing and I have instructed somebody to call the police. At that point, if they continue to stay, then yes, I'm going to have that person kind of that's in the room with me. Because again, you always have two people. I'm going to have that person go through with the call. However, if they immediately stand up and say, hey, fine, I'm turning around, I'm leaving, then, you know, I'm going to go ahead and hang up that call. Um, you know, if, if in some cir uh, circumstances, if you know going into the meeting, you're going to have an unruly employee or you suspect it's going to be unruly, you can have security or police on standby. Um, I would never recommend that you have them actually in the termination room. 
um, just kind of out of sight, out of mind, but at least, you know, they're in the parking lot or in another part of the building in case an issue did arise that, you know, they're, 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 they're right there and, and, and ready to assist. Okay. And I really like the fact that during the back and forth, you said at this point you were trespassing when she refused to leave because now you have a legal position. Is that correct? Yeah, that, that's correct. We have put this employee on notice that, hey, we are considering you to be a trespasser. And for that reason, we could involve the police if, if we felt the need to do so. Well, I think this was just really a, a great, um, you know, from a simple termination to a hostile one where what do you do? And I think Amanda actually brought up a really good point uh, when it comes to somebody making the assumption that the termination was for something other than uh, what they were being terminated for which one thing I was thinking about when you said that, and I think you, you sent over some talking points for me, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with somebody that is that hostile and you're anticipating that could happen, what do you do to protect yourself as an employer? Because if the, if the employee falls into any protected class, age, sex, religion, disability, et cetera, you know, how is that going to affect your termination process? Because this person basically insinuated that it was, you know, an issue, a gender issue, which clearly it wasn't, it was about, her, you know, her work, but how do you make sure that that doesn't happen or that isn't the, the problem? That, that's a, that's a great question, Terry. Um, in, in response, how we, we, you know, obviously, you know, gender protected classes, race, none of those things can ever be an issue in termination, nor should they ever be an issue in termination. And obviously termination decisions should never be based on those characteristics. Um, however, when, when you are looking at a termination and helping an employer, uh, an employer, you know, analyze their risks and, and benefits with termination, it, because of, um, you know, certain legal statuses that come along with those characteristics, we do have to ask those questions. And the only reason we're asking those questions is to make sure that we are treating everybody equal. Meaning, so if, if somebody says, well, um, I, we're, we're intending on terminating a, an employee today who is, um, you know, a 55-year-old woman um, who falls into two protected classes there, they're considered, they're protected under age discrimination and they're, you know, protected as a woman as well. You know, I'm going to say to our employer client, hey, the reason that you're terminating her, have you terminated men for that same reason? Have you terminated young people for that same reason? Or have you just given them warnings? You know, we have to make sure when I ask those characteristic questions, it's to ensure that everyone is being treated equal, because we don't want to have a situation where in this case, um, in particular, you know, they are being treated unequal. And we want to stop that before that unequal treatment occurs. That's awesome. No, I, I, I appreciate that information. I think that one thing in the climate of making sure that there is equity when it comes to employment and, and everything we're doing out there with minorities, I know that this becomes an issue on, at times, especially when it is not a, I'm not sure how to word it, but let's just say a minority heavy uh, employer where you know it maybe it's 50% caucasian and then the other 50% is mixed different races and somebody needs to be terminated that maybe you have one or two either african american or hispanic or you know asian employees that maybe one needs to be terminated but it's not it doesn't seem like to that individual that somebody of a different race is being terminated as well on the same stature so i think that there's some sensitivity and issues there that are on a larger scale yeah, you're, you're so right, Terry. 
Um, and, and that goes back to our, you know, our comments at the beginning is we want to make sure that we're following your written policies and we're following the past practices of the employer um, so that we don't end up in that situation where we are either purposefully or maybe inadvertently treating people differently and not realizing it. Um, and so that's why we ask the employers that question. And your point is well taken. Um, you know, one of the most common types of uh, lawsuits are employment claims, um, whether it's, you know, wrongful discharge or discrimination or harassment. You know, these are the most commonly litigated types of issues that we see. And they're definitely on the rise this year in 2020 because we've had so many terminations, um, largely due to COVID. And now with the FFCRA, not that we're going to get into that, but that just adds another layer uh, or another set of rules that employers need to abide by. And that's just another tool in a litigator's pocket, you know, when they're litigating on behalf of, of a terminated employee. And so uh, employers, you know, were cognizant of the fact that they're navigating a very tumultuous um, environment right now. And there is just, you know, there's, there's a lot of um, things that they, you know, rightfully need to worry about. And so, um, you know, so we want to make sure that they do have the policies, they do have the documentation, and that they prepare for these hard um, conversations and these hard decisions. Yeah, I agree. Now, and, and I have a question real quick. You mentioned an acronym mm -hmm. and the audience may not know what that is. Can you just, without expanding on what it is, can you just say what, spell it out for us? Yeah, the FFCRA is the Family First Coronavirus Relief Act, which okay. was so one of the, the yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> we know right. how first you are yes. on the policy. Um, one of the things I yes. wanted to bring up just really quick, and this has come up with several of my clients, it may have come up with your clients, but it's really in healthcare is that with all of the PPP loans and everything that's come out, some people fell in with the unemployment boost everybody got months ago and there looks like they're going to get again. It seemed like a lot of people would rather not work and get unemployment than come back to work. And then that was one thing. And so uh, employers were having a really hard time getting people to come back because they were making more not working. And the second thing was that I had actually several in Ohio, Texas, and California, and California is a new, different animal altogether, several uh, physician practices that have been wanting to terminate employees and couldn't, but with the pandemic where they were furloughing people saying, it's really nice for me now because I don't have to bring them back. Yikes. I don't, I don't know what to respond to that. Yeah, that, that's, uh, those are some great points, Terry. And that's what I was alluding to in mentioning the FFCRA. Um, you know, when employees don't, do not want to come back, um, that is a reason for employers to terminate the employee and to say, okay, you know, you're refusing to come into work, well, then we're going to terminate you. Um, and that adds another layer of complexity because oftentimes you're going to have to do that over the phone or via email or by regular mail. And so you want to make sure that you do that correctly. And we've seen a lot of that. Um, due to COVID where em employees simply do not want to come back to work or maybe there's an issue with childcare because their children are not in school um, or their daycare is closed or grandma and grandpa cannot watch the child. Um, so we have had to walk our clients through several termination decisions with employees refusing to come back to work. Um, and then uh, to your second point, can employers use this pandemic to uh, terminate employees 
that were really problem employees prior to the pandemic? The answer is yes, but they have to be very careful. They have to make sure that they're terminating them for the right reasons. Are they terminating them because they are on a performance improvement plan? They're um, you know, low performing. They're not coming into work. Um, we don't want to terminate them because, um, you know, without documentation, because we risk, are, we, are they in a protected class? Um, do we have the documentation there to terminate them? Um, also, if, uh, if these individuals qualify for any of um, the paid leave under the FSCRA, we want to make sure that we're not terminating them simply because they qualify for these benefits. Um, so there's, there's just a lot more to the analysis now um, because of the FSCRA, in addition to all of the other laws that, that we had prior to the pandemic um, so we want to make sure that we check all those boxes when we're walking through the analysis. Yeah, and I also noticed something that just came out recently, and this was more just uh, an article I read, I think, in Becker's Hospital, about a lot of employers now want to require the vaccine. And if they don't have it, pay, that they're considering that that employee will be terminated. Now, obviously, that's a conversation for another day since it's not available to everybody, but definitely something on coming up. Now, I know that your third scenario, and I'm excited about this, is to how to terminate a contract employee and also one that has a non-compete enforcement. So take it away. I think this is really great to kind of, this is our third scenario and, and to complete on this. Sounds great. Thanks, Terry. Uh, and, and, and that was a great way to segue into this scenario and, and to kind of set the stage. Um, as you said, Terry, this is to terminate an employee who has an employment contract um, and as a component of that contract may actually also have a non-compete agreement. Um, you typically see employees that have um, employment agreements are typically doctors or other medical, you know, uh, highly licensed medical professionals. So this, this, this type of scenario does play a lot into the healthcare realm. Um, so with kind of setting the stage there, we're going to go ahead and jump right on in. Thank you for coming in today, Amanda. Uh, please have a seat. The reason Rita and I scheduled this meeting is because our medical practice is terminating your employment agreement according to its terms by providing you with 30 days notice as required under your employment contract. Wait, you're terminating my agreement? You, you know this company can't run without me. And I don't think that you're following the termination provisions, which are, which are required in my contract. I'm going to have to talk to my lawyer about this. I know this is hard news to hear. However, we have fully reviewed your employment agreement that you signed two years ago, and we consulted with our legal counsel on its terms. Further, as you know, we previously discussed that we believe that this is just not a good cultural fit. For this reason, as we are allowed to do under your employment agreement, we are terminating it without cause by giving you 30 days prior written notice. You will be permitted to work during the next 30 days, and we expect you to continue to work in accordance with the terms of the agreement. So I have to work for the next 30 days. What's going to be expected of me? That, that's a great question. We expect that you will continue to treat patients, um, as you have done, while slowing down the number of patients you see each day as you get towards the end of the 30 days. We also expect that you will complete all patient notes and other records as are required under your, both your employment agreement and your state of Ohio physician license. We also ask that you do not disrupt the work environment or otherwise take any action that could harm the practice after your departure. 
Finally, we ask that at the conclusion of the 30 days, you simply return all company documents, including patient records, company equipment, and your key card. Uh, that's a lot of stuff to remember. Well, I'm going to start looking for a new job right away because I'm not going to continue to work here under these circumstances. This is ridiculous. You are permitted to seek new employment during the 30 days as long as such search does not interfere with your work requirements and as long as you do not violate the non-compete provisions that are part of your employment agreement. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean non-compete provisions? You terminated me. I'm free to do whatever I want, to go work for whoever I want. I understand your frustration. As you will remember, when you executed your employment agreement, its provision stated that you were not permitted to work for a competitor after employment with us within a 10-mile radius of our office. This provision remains in effect regardless of the reason for your termination. Well, we'll just see about that. I don't think there's anything you can do about it. Well, I just want to give you a heads up that we do intend to enforce the terms of the employment agreement that survive its termination, including these non-compete provisions. For this reason, we are going to advise that you seek guidance from your legal counsel as to your requirements under your non-compete and as you seek new employment. As I said, the practice will evaluate all legal recourse it may have to ensure that its business interests are protected. Trust me. I'll be talking with my attorney and you'll be hearing from them as well as, as well as all of my demands regarding my rights under the employment agreement and this non-compete that you keep talking about. We will certainly review any proposed changes to the non-compete or agreement that you or your attorney may have. However, we are not required to revise these provisions at this time. But like I said, we will review any proposed amendments as a courtesy to you. Okay, fine. Are we done here? Because I'm done talking to you, Brian. Yes. Thank you for your time today, Amanda. We look forward to ending this professional relationship on amicable terms. Well, that was awesome. Um, I have a question on a contract termination with someone. Now, one of the things that wasn't mentioned is, do you tell the, that employee that they are not allowed to say anything? I know that said something in there about you can't disrupt the practice or take any action, but are they allowed to speak to any other employee or even a patient if it's a healthcare about them leaving? Yeah, that, that's a great question, Terry. So, typically in the healthcare uh, in the healthcare industry, with an employment contract, there's going to be a lot of information that is in the employment agreement regarding you know what you can say to employees, what you can say to referral sources, what you can say to patients. How do you need to wrap up your employment? And you, you, you heard Brian rattle off a list of, you know, this is what you're going to do. Um, and that was a verbal list. And I said, wow, that's a lot of stuff to remember. We would also give the employer client a written letter because uh, you, you heard Brian say, this is, you know, written notice of your 30 day terminate, you know, 30 day notice of, of termination. So there would be a termination letter and there would be bullet points of, you know, this is the notice that's going to go to patients. Here's what you can say. Here's what you cannot say. You need to wrap up your uh, medical records. Um, you need to give us your key card. Uh, this is what you can say to other employees, what you can say to referral sources. 
and we're going to follow what's in that employment agreement. Um, typically, there's going to be, you know, um, non-disparagement. Um, you know, there's going to be, you know, return of any confidential information. They're not going to be able to access any of your um, software platforms or, or, you know, have email access or access to the EMR. So that's going to be enumerated in the written notice that they're going to take with them. Got it. Yeah, I think the one thing that I guess stands out to me here, maybe I'm not sure if it even can be addressed, and this is more in a practice situation, not hospital, but a lot of times, especially in healthcare, I think it actually probably is just about healthcare, um, a lot of patients, they tend to, when they find out somebody is leaving, they get pretty upset because they're so used to the routine of seeing somebody. They're already coming in in distress for an ailment or whatever, and then if you've got an employee who's being let go, not leaving for their own reasons. I know that that can add to um, some of the the tension or whatever. And my concern is what I'm seeing a lot of like Molina Healthcare and some of the bigger contracts out there uh, with providers and their satisfaction surveys. It doesn't seem to be about the physician. It seems to be about a lot of times when employees leave and the patients miss them. And so I was just curious how that kind of makes a difference. Yeah, it. I always advise the employer and everyone does it a little bit differently, but it's always nice to have a backup plan. If you're going to give notice to your, to your patients that an employee is leaving. And when I advise employers, I always make sure that in the employment contract, the employer, the hospital, the practice, the employer is the one to tell patients that the provider is leaving. And it's the employer that drafts the notice that sends out the notice. And so it's the employer that's controlling the messaging. So along with that messaging, you wanna have a backup plan so that patients know, we yes, we have a provider that's exiting, but we have all of these other providers that are able to care for you. Or, or we brought on another provider to replace this individual to care for you. So you wanna make sure that you have that plan in place as well. I have some employer clients that, that do this very, very well um, and, and it really is a seamless transition um, and patients feel very comfortable with the handoff because patients want to feel like they were considered in the decision and that that they are being provided for. Um, you know, but some employers, they're not able to do that transition or uh, maybe the situation, you know, warrants a quicker termination where they're not able to, you know, have that ramp up period. Um, where they're able to get somebody in place. Um, but employers, you know, to your point, they really need to be thinking about the patient and making sure that the patient's taken care of. That sounds great. And I, I appreciate the insight that both of you had on this. I know that these can be really kind of challenging situations uh, and how you handle it is going to be key to uh, what the end result ends up being and also how it could possibly fold into a potential next employee. So hopefully uh, looking at this from a best practice and also past practices in similar situations can really help everyone. Well, I want to thank both Amanda and Brian. This was awesome and just truly informative of what we see in real life scenarios in employment termination. Uh, if you need to get a hold of them, you can go to their website at bmdllc.com and access them there. Also, Amanda is part of, again, the NSCHBC and uh, which you can find a consultant at the NICHBC.org. 
So again, we really appreciate having you. Everyone, thank you for listening today. Join us next month as we discuss uh, virtual care in the new telehealth climate uh, during PHE and beyond. And I'll be there with the um, American Telehealth Association rep. And then also in March, we're gonna, it's tax season, so we're gonna get into some of the information as far as reconciling your funding, PPP, EIDL, HHS, et cetera. So everyone make it a great day and a great week, and thank you for listening to the NSCHBC Edge Podcast. Thank you for listening to the NSCHBC Edge Podcast. Join us on the second Tuesday of each month as our consultants tackle the complexities of navigating the business of medicine. You can reach us on the web at nschbc.org the National Society of Certified Healthcare Business Consultants.